Hey, mom friend, happy new year. And as you can see, we got a new look. There are some new things happening, but the content is still the same. If you're new here, my name is Amanda and I am a childbirth educator and I'm here to give you all the download when it comes to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, even a little bit of motherhood. And I share information on here to help you make an informed decision and to know what the fruits are of those decisions. We are in season two of the Simplify Birth and Motherhood podcast, and uh, we are kind of riding on the coattails of our last episode. Our last episode, episode 30, we talked about homeopathy and we talked a little bit, I mean, just brushed the surface of birth transfers and how they kind of relate to homeopathic medicine because we're looking at you and your body and everything that's going on during birth and during your pregnancy and even into postpartum as a whole. And so that's exactly what home birth transfers and birth center transfers, that's what they do. We're looking at you as a whole. So today we are going to be talking about birth transfers. So if you are having a home birth or having a birth center birth, this is probably something that has come up or maybe something that you are concerned about, or maybe this is something that you actually have had happen to you before and are worried about it again. Well, today I'm going to be talking all about that as well to a few tips on how to prepare and just some things to keep in mind and to help encourage you as you are either considering a home birth or considering this birth option or maybe something to kind of give you a little bit more confidence and reduce your fears because that's what this podcast is all about. Giving you the power of knowledge as well as reducing your fears and giving you confidence as you pursue through your pregnancy, come up to your birth, and as you journey through motherhood with your baby and family. But before we get started, if you are not following me on Instagram, you totally should. But also, I'm going to be putting up a little poll on there. I'm considering, and actually this coming year, I'm going to be offering a online course for you to take. And I want to know what topic that you are wanting to learn a little bit more about. I mean, there's so many topics that I can possibly think of right now, but I want to make one that is specific to you and what you are wanting to hear, not things that I think I want you to hear. I want to know what is the topic that you or a class that you wish whether it's a workshop, whatever, we can call it whatever for you. But I want to know what topic, what workshop, what would you be willing to go through? So this coming week, I'm going to be posting a little poll on there and I want to hear from you. So if you are on Instagram, please give a listen and please go ahead and take a look at that and share me your answers. Please do, because I know that you guys are looking at my stuff. I can see it. Everybody can see who's looking at our stories. So if you happen to pass by it, please take a participation in this um, little, I guess you would say market research. But anyways, okay. Also too, before you leave this episode, before you close out, before we end our discussion today, please leave a review in the Apple podcast. This tells me that everything that I am sharing on this podcast is encouraging and helpful and is giving you information that is going to help you in your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Okay. That is it. Let's get started. I will see you inside. Hello, and welcome to the Simplify Birth and Motherhood podcast. I'm Amanda, and not only am I your everyday wife and mom of four, but I'm probably your most relatable childbirth educator. I've had two very unexpected cesareans and two very successful home births after a cesarean. With two totally different ends of the birth spectrum, you can definitely say I've seen a thing or two, and it's always with the little one in tow. Are you pregnant and have heard the terms like tocin, epidural, natural birth, midwife, doula, and many other terms and want to know what they mean? 
and how they both affect you and your baby in the good and not so good ways? Or are you a mom who is getting ready to get back into the saddle of having another baby and want to do things differently and want to know what options you have and also how to do it? Oh, and by the way, has anyone told you that you were totally rocking that mom bun and are doing amazing at giving your best in your motherhood journey? Well, then you are in the right place because in this podcast, you will receive all the tools you will need to strengthen your mom gut and have a strong foundation to help you make informed decisions for your pregnancy, upcoming birth, and as you are in postpartum with your baby. Not only is it jam-packed with knowledge, but it will be simple for you to understand, help reduce any fears you have, and bring you confidence. I'm here to help you to have a baby and help you be the mother you were created to be by sharing with you all the education I've learned through my own experience and while working with multiple families over the years. Because I believe knowledge is not just for the elite, but it is also for you, which is why I'm so excited and honored that you are here. So hike up those high-waisted pants because I know that you're wearing them and put the baby in the ergo and let's start feeding our God-given mom guts. I'll see you inside. Okay, so home birth transfers are probably the number one thing that a lot of home birth people worry about, but also too why a lot of people don't do home births because that's like the number one thing that I hear when I talk about home births with people is they say, well, what if I transfer? I mean, what would happen then? And I think the idea behind it all is the fact that I have a little friend with me, just so you know. (laughs) I think the idea is like, should I put out the effort to do this if I'm just going to be transferred anyways, or there is a possibility that I will be transferred. But I think what people also don't realize is that home birth transfers don't normally happen. I mean, it's not something that happens every single time. It's not like as high as the cesarean rate where one out of three women are going to be transferred. That's not how it is when it comes to home birth transfer. And there are multiple reasons why people transfer. (coughs) And so I think anybody who is considering a home birth or even has talked to anybody who hasn't had a home birth, I mean, that is their concern is, well, what happens when you transfer? Like, what if there's an emergency? Like, what happens? All those types of things. And the funny thing about it, too, is that anytime a transfer happens, we think that it's this catastrophic like event that there yeah you're right there is a reason why you're being transferred and it's actually a good enough reason but it is not as dramatic as a lot of people think and i think the fear of transfer really hinders a lot of people who want to do home births people who are doing home births and if you've had a home birth before and then you get transferred and then you get pregnant again i mean this is another reoccurring thing that you have to consider and think about and it's okay for you to consider and think about this i mean we have to make sure that we are crossing all of our t's dotting all of our i's and our j's i mean we go down the list to make sure that we're considering all aspects of what birth can do because birth is so unpredictable. I mean, there is really no way we are technically not really in control of essentially the birth in general, but we are in control of how we react. We're in control of there are certain aspects that we can be in control of and have an active participation on choosing and being very intentional about the things that we do in birth for reasons that we believe that go according to our conviction and our goal and our mission when it comes to birth. But essentially, all in all, we really are not in control of birth. I mean, 
We do not really have the ability to determine how it's going to go or how well or how terrible it's going to go. And so home birth transfers are very similar to that. We These are things that happen without our control. And so when people who have had home births before and then they're going to have home births again. I mean, we kind of think like, well, aren't you kind of crazy because you were transferred last time? So why would you want to have to go through that again? Well, we're going to talk about that today, which I'm so excited because I have had two transfers. As you guys know, I've had a transfer with my first and I had a transfer with my fourth kind of to like top it off like the cherry on top of the Sunday. Like we're closing this out. So let's go ahead and go out with a bang. So they do happen. It's not a bad thing. They are not always a big deal. Um, And they happen for reasons. There are legitimate reasons why they happen. And so a little bit about transfers in general, they vary from midwife to midwife, from birth center to birth center, and they all have their own reasons. Sometimes birth centers transfer because they maybe are a VBAC bomb and they are worried about the uterine rupture. Maybe... You transfer because, and you can transfer, again, guys, when we think about transfer with home births, we think about you're in labor and you have to go to the hospital instead of having your baby at home or at the birth center. That's really not the case. You can be transferred anytime during your care. And the way that I like to describe it to people to not make it as big of a deal, because uh, majority of the time it's not for like emergency, like we need to do this right now or you are going to die. That's not why, I mean, not to say that that, that's not why transfers happen, but, and I'll tell you why here in a bit, why that we never very rarely get to that point. Um, But the thing is about transfers is that I like to paint this picture for people. We transfer our care all the time. Okay, so when you think about transfer, you think like, oh, I'm going to the hospital because I've done everything at home as what as I could. We do that all the time. I mean, I like to describe it as a 20, 80 percent weight take on when it comes to modern medicine. 80 percent of the time we do as much as we can at home. But the 20 percent is when we've done everything that we could at home and we need some additional help. That's exactly how transfers are. I mean, you've tried everything you could, and we do this in our daily lives. Like the doctor, we try everything natural that we can or everything that we can at home through over-the-counter medicine or through homeopathic medicine, which we just got done talking about. Some of us still use that. And especially with our kids, like there comes a point where it's like, yes, we need to go get their ears checked because what I'm doing is not helping, or we need to go ahead and get antibiotics because this is just not going away. And that's what a transfer is. You're basically going to modern medicine to a doctor, to a OB, to a midwife in the hospital because we need additional help. And there are things there that we need that we can use. And thank God we have those things because modern medicine is amazing. So thank the Lord that we live in a time and day and age where we can use that stuff. And that's when we actually need to use those things, especially when it comes to a home birth transfer. And like I said, they vary from midwife to midwife, birth center to birth center. And mama and baby can be transferred any time during their pregnancy up to about six hours after birth. So it's not just isolated to the fact that you're in labor you need to be transferred you can have an amazing labor but then you could be transferred because you spike a fever or baby ends up spiking a fever or you end up having postpartum hemorrhage or the baby is having a hard time becoming stable with their breathing and so they need to be transferred over to the hospital and things like that there's it could be up to six hours after birth and they say that there's about 
when it comes to the rarity of them, I mean, who is more likely to be transferred in this situation? And who is more likely to be transferred? Mom, baby? I mean, it can be both. You can both be transferred. You can be transferred and your baby couldn't. Your baby can be fine, but there could be something going on with you. Or you could be perfectly fine and baby could be transferred. So there's a lot of different reasons why one would be transferred. And honestly, the transfer rate is a little bit higher for first-time moms. There's about a 20% risk of first-time moms to be transferred and only about 4% risk for a second-time mother. But you know what the number one reason why people get transferred, and particularly with first-time moms, it's because of mother exhaustion. That's the reason why. As well as lack of progression in labor, non-reassuring fetal status, and need for some type of rest or pain relief. Other reasons could be because of hypertension, mom could develop high blood pressure, preeclampsia, hemorrhaging, or fetal malposition. This could be this could mean that maybe your provider is not comfortable with a breech delivering a breech baby, which we should always be reteaching breech, um, especially if your provider is you know, not very skilled in that, then maybe should probably look more into that for the sake of to be able to serve their community a little bit better. <laughs> we have a little uh, background music uh, in today's episode. <laughs> but also too, baby can be sideways. They call this transverse and baby can't come out through its back. It's either got to come head down or feet down. And if they're not comfortable doing feet down, then baby's got to come head down. So this could be another reason why you could be transferred. So those things are, can happen. Do they always happen? No. Do people end up finding perseverance? Yes. And there are ways to find perseverance. And the thing is, is that with the transfer rate being so low, this should encourage us as people who are using these services like midwife, home birth, birth center, those things, because it tells us that we, they know how to problem solve. Okay, not everything's an emergency. Not everything is we're putting your life in danger or you're putting your babies in danger because the midwife knows what they're doing. Midwives, we've said this before in previous episode when it comes to uh, who we see in different elements of the birth environments that we choose to have our baby in. And guys, midwives are, and I will say this and I will scream it on top of the mountains as long as it is true. Midwives are skilled in particularly birth. That is what they are trained for. That is what they are known for. They know moms and babies and how to teach moms how to have babies. And they are there for moms who are having babies. This is their specialty. And so a lot of the things that they do and why the transfer rate is so low is because they are, because they problem solve. They know what to do in certain instances to make it to where they can, if they see something that's happening or they see a pattern that is happening, they do whatever they can or they assist mom or they direct mom and guide mom to do things to problem solve. And everybody is calm. Nobody's panicking. I mean, this is the environment. I don't, you know, I would definitely encourage anybody who is, you know, doing a home birth and all the concerns that they have, like this can go wrong, that can go wrong. What if this happens? What to just look on I mean social media is a double-edged sword but there's so many social media outlets that will show you how things are handled in certain like in certain situations even when it comes to hemorrhaging I mean that's kind of another concern that people have when it comes to home birth is like what if I end up hemorrhaging well midwives are equipped 
with the necessary means to take care of that or shoulder dissocia. I mean, if it's handled correctly, we've had cases in the outside of the home birth and birth center environment where things have gone terribly wrong because people are not trained, properly trained, or are not handling the situations properly. But these midwives are. And if you feel that your midwife is not skilled in these areas, then that's a totally different story. That is something that we need to address separately away from the fear of transfers and what could possibly go wrong when it comes to the reason why a mom would be transferred. But it's encouraging to hear with the transfer rate being so low. And if if you don't know what your midwife's transfer rate is, this is a question that definitely needs to be asked. This needs to be asked before booking with the midwife. This needs to be asked before birth, essentially, like definitely needs to be discussed before birth. But with it being low, it encourages us to know that these midwives and these trained professional birth attendants and birth assistants, these professionals are, they know what they're doing. They know how to problem solve. And a lot of times it, that just is what it requires is just some problem solving and just also to letting it play out, meaning letting labor play out in a way that it's supposed to. And that's what midwives do. They don't intervene when it's not necessary, but when the intervening does happen, they use problem solving techniques, but also they know red flags. They know essentially, okay, I'm seeing these markers and this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing on these red flags. They will know when those red flags are being raised before they either put you in danger or your baby in danger. So that's another thing to keep in mind when it comes to the professionalism and the knowledge and the wisdom that these midwives and birth centers have because they are able to see when things are not going any a normal way when it comes to birth or the assuring of the thriving and well-being of baby and mom. So this fear of, am I going to be transferred, this transfer, what if I get transferred, is really something that we, one, should be taken care of beforehand, but two, is something that we need to look at it from outside of the box. We need to take a step back and we need to see, okay, what are the true facts? And the true facts is, is that yes, it could happen, but it's very rare. And if it does happen, it's for a good enough reason. It's not because the midwife wants to go home, guys. It's not because she's like, listen, I was just at three other births and I'm not willing to do your birth. Or you know what? Hey, we're just gonna like call it a night because you know, I'm not, no, this is not the reason why we are transferring. We are transferring for the reasons majority of the time because we're tired, because we're exhausted. Maybe we've been, we've had really, long prodromal labor, or maybe we are just so tired and so exhausted and we've done everything that we could to get baby into the right position to, for us to be able to birth our own baby at home or at the birth center. So real quick, a few of the reasons why mom alone would be transferred along with baby possibly, is a prolapse cord, uncontrolled hemorrhaging, including in postpartum. So this can mean birth went great, you are now in two-hour recovery, your midwife has left, you're, or you're at home. I mean, this could be that as well. Normally, birth centers won't let you leave the birth center until after six hours, so they'll be able to catch that beforehand. But unfavored birth visit, or 
position of baby, like we had talked, failure to progress. This means, this is not like you've hit four centimeters and you're dilating every two hours, but that's not good enough. This is like you've hit six centimeters for multiple hours and you've had no progression, which essentially happened to me and with this little fella down here. Okay, so maternal exhaustion, we talked about that, preeclampsia, severe abdominal pain. This is usually more something that midwives look at if you are a previous cesarean mom. It does not matter how many VBACs you have had because it does not take one cesarean for you to have a rupture or one VBAC and then the second you're attempting a second. And we call that a TOLAC, a trial of labor after cesarean. Uh, if you are attempting to do that, it doesn't matter if you've done it multiple times before that. This is something that they definitely, this is one of their markers to make sure that, okay, this is, normal. This is not normal. We have to make sure we are aware of this. And this is something that you might not even realize is happening. You just think, oh, this is just labor, but severe abdominal pain. This usually means that the uterine scar or the uterus is not holding up very well when it comes to labor. A seizure, any maternal shock during or after labor, uh, fevers. This is something that can happen during your pregnancy. And if you had a frequent fever, this means that aside from sickness, aside from, hey, I had a fever for 24 hours and it's gone, but if it's reoccurring or it lasts for more than 48 hours, then this is something that definitely needs to be brought up. Or if you end up developing a fever during labor, this usually means that this is a sign of infection or that something else is not right. So you will be transferred for that reason or any symptom or, con or condition that would put mom or your baby in danger. But the last one, which I feel like is so, ugh, it's very frustrating and it adds more of that freedom or freedman curve on moms, which is labor has not started by 42 weeks, which is insane. And a lot of times, particularly here in the state of Texas and other states, this is like a legal requirement. And if midwives want to serve families aside from you and after you, then they are going to possibly follow this rule or yeah, it's very, fr this one frustrates me. I think the most, because sometimes moms go into 42 weeks and have a baby. Um, I mean, sometimes people just cook their babies a little bit longer y'all. All right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just kidding. Um, sometimes it is. So, but in that case, majority of the time, that second time moms usually go in about 41 to close to 42 weeks anyways. But if you've not started labor by 42 weeks and it is required by the state law that your midwife transfer you over to obstetrician care or midwife hospital care, then that would be a reason why you would be transferred. When it comes to the baby, it can be any birth injury, long-term difficult breathing. That means baby is maybe not, um, has a breathing pattern that is not reassuring or has, is not breathing aside from uh, oxygen and things like that. So consistent low APGAR scores. So there's no pride, no sign of improvement. I've got scores. We all know it's a scoring that they do in the beginning. If you don't know, then we definitely will be talking about that in the future. So hang tight because I will tell you what that means, but just no sign of improvement because they have to improve after the first one. The second one needs to improve, whether it's by little or by much, they need to improve. If they are not improving, then we are going to have to maybe consider getting additional help. Unresolved jaundice, seizure from baby, unstable vital signs, lethargy, inability to feed. 
uh, any respiratory distress, if baby has fever, if they're not peeing or pooping within 24 hours, or any abnormal behavior or condition that can threaten the well-being of baby. So those are all the reason why somebody transfers or why baby and mom or why baby or mom will transfer. So going back a little bit to the idea of, okay, so if you have the possibility of transferring, then that means that there's a delay in emergency services, but also why would you want to even risk that? Why would you even want to, one, either go back after you've been transferred, or why would you even consider having a home birth? And let me tell you the number one reason why people do this. One, because it is because of the care that midwifery provides. It is the prenatal care. It is the labor care. It is the postpartum care that midwifery provides of why people, even if you've been transferred, even there is a risk of transfer, why people do this. This is why you're doing it. This is why you are having a home birth or why you are having another or attempting to have another home birth. And I'm going to say that you're going to have this home birth because you're most likely are going to have this home birth. And so this is why you're doing it. This is why, because the care that you will get with this midwife is unlike any other care. If you talk to anybody who has had a home birth and who has had midwifery care at home or even in the birth center, you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to say the care is completely unmatched. I will never go back to modern medicine, modern medicine, or I will never go to the hospital unless it's absolutely necessary when it comes to my care during my pregnancy and during birth and things like that, because the care is just completely unmatched. I mean, you have a midwife who is meeting with you, if not in her home or at her office, which is, can be a really safe, calming space. I remember my midwife, I used to love going to her house because it was like just so tranquil and just had this special feeling and anytime we went it just felt like this safe haven anytime we went and it was always sad leaving it after postpartum and after when the baby was born and we were done with our postpartum visits because it was just this safe space for us and so going there or you have the midwife coming to your home and this is not like your regular midwife or regular obstetrician visit this is like they sit with you they want to know how you're doing physically how you're doing mentally, how you're doing emotionally. And even if you have a very spiritual midwife that aligns with, you know, what your convictions are and aligns with, you know, your pursuit in this area of your life, they can be so like you're like feeding off of them because of just how encouraging they can be. And they want to know you as a person, but also too how baby is doing and the normalcy of the things in pregnancy and all not all those things and if something is a genuine concern it's because they are genuinely concerned not because every hoot and hanny is something that they are concerned about it's not not everything is a red flag for them not everything is a cause a raise of concern or putting you automatically into high high risk it's not like that and their visits are longer than you probably would see if you were having an obstetrician. I mean, obstetricians are just worried about turnover. Midwives in hospitals, genuinely, unfortunately, I had an experience like this and I expect it, so it didn't necessarily bother me. But in hospitals, they are 
on a turnover. It's, hi, how are you doing? How are things going? Any concerns? Okay, well, bye. I mean, you maybe you sit in the waiting room longer than you actually sometimes even meet with your OB or your midwife in these situ- situations. But a home birth midwife and a birth center midwife, are the care is just different. And birth is looked at more on a psychological event than it is more of like a medicalized dangerous, things can go wrong, automatic, things can go wrong, and we see this more happening. And the mindset is letting the psychological process play out. And they almost like give mom and baby a chance. And that brings a lot of people peace and comfort and hope and joy and contentment. This is why in postpartum, I mean, it's not this turnaround. There's an availability of being able to call them if you have a question, even if it is in the middle of the night, or even if it is you've asked this question a million times, or you've already texted them five times before asking that question. It is never a burden and it, they are always available. And the visits are always very calming and is very uh, non-pressuring. It is very much of looking out for the well-being of mom and the turnover and the need to to visit with mom is not so much of like, well, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go because I got to see somebody else. They genuinely, intentionality of meeting with each mom during postnatal birth and, you know, uh, antenatal too is a well thought out process. Okay, so knowing that this could actually be a possibility and something that you do have to consider if you do have a home birth and are at a birth center, so pretty much anywhere outside of the hospital, like you just, this is something we need to consider because it is a possibility. This is like your plan B, and I always tell people we're planning for plan A, B, and we're also planning for C. So this is plan B. Plan B would be you're transferring and this is what it, this is what we're doing. And how do we make the best of it? So there are four things that I want to share with you on how we can make the best of it. Okay, mom friend, I want to take a real quick break here and tell you about a product that I've been using lately, and that is the Venka 2.0 Basal Thermometer from Phenometer. As many of you know, I'm in my first year of postpartum with my fourth baby and still breastfeeding, but that doesn't mean I can't get pregnant, start ovulating, or get an idea of what my body and hormones are doing until my cycle eventually shows up again. (laughs) And did you know that checking your basal body temp first thing every morning is one of the most reliable markers to track your own cycle, hormones, and check the status of your fertility, and something we as women should be doing for our general health, and we should be teaching our daughters how to do that as well, which is why I'm loving this product and their app, Phenometer. Tracking my body temp for just my womanly health in general is not something I was taught growing up, and Phenometer makes it so easy to do that. Phenometer has built invaluable tools and resources to help couples understand their fertility, take control of their conception journey, and monitor their pregnancy. What I love about this product specifically is that it is connected to the Femometer app and first thing every morning when I take my temperature, it automatically logs that temp for the day and tells me where I'm at in my cycle based off my last cycle and my temp. And if I'm working with a practitioner for my hormone and fertility health with my Prime membership, I have the ability to send all my data and more to them so I can get the best care that suits my needs for my body. 
So whether you are trying to start your pregnancy journey or wanting to space out your future pregnancies or just track your fertility just like I am, Femometer has got your back from fertility tracking resources, pregnancy tests, and supplements to blood pressure monitors. To get your hands on one of their helpful products, click the link that's in the description of this episode to see what product best suits you. Our friends at Phenometer have also graciously given you an additional 50% off at checkout when you purchase one of their products by just using my special code MOMGUT23, M-O-M-G-U-T 23 in all caps. I love sharing helpful resources to any of my friends, so thank you Phenometer for making it easy to do so. So cheers to you, and now let's get back to our episode. Okay, so number one is pack a hospital bag. Pack a hospital bag with things you will need to stay for a few days and with comfort items. So my thing is just pack as if you're having a hospital birth because even if you get transferred, you really don't know what the result is going to be. You might have the baby vaginally, which would be amazing and great. And that's what we, if that's what you want, that's what we want for you too. But if you're transferring because you need a cesarean, like you've developed preeclampsia um, or you need a cesarean because you've tried labor, things aren't going too great because of all the medical interventions or because there's an emergency reason why you need to have a cesarean, you're going to definitely be the recovery between the both of those are going to look very different. So to me, I always say prepare for you're going to be staying there for like four days because that's usually the recovery time for a cesarean and bring things that are going to bring you comfort, bring things that you can implement into your birth, the labor and delivery room that you're going to be going that you would want in your home birth or that you would want in your birth center. So that it can include diffusers, um, blankets, all comfort items, pillows, um, words of affirmation that you can hang on the, you know, wall that you can see from, you know, a distance or where you're at or, you know, heating pads, those types of things. You can bring food and drink. I'm telling you to bring food and drink. I might be like, you know, breaking the rolls a little bit, which I think is ridiculous, but bring some little snackies, some like nice little electrolyte drinks for you to drink or put in some water um, while you're there. There are certain elements that you can pack inside your bag that you can still have inside if you didn't end up going to the hospital. So pack a hospital bag. This is something that you definitely need to do before. Do not be like me with my first birth where I was so overly confident and just, you know, young and dumb that I just thought that I was never going to go to the hospital because I really wanted this home birth. So there was just no way that I was going to go to the hospital, but I didn't even pass a, pack a hospital bag. And I'm not telling, I'm kidding, not even kidding you is what I'm saying is my husband and I were packing a hospital bag as we, as I was in labor not recommended at all. So please do this before. Do not be young and dumb like me and not do this. Second is decide where. If you have an option, this is why, again, when it comes to home births, it's always recommended that you live, when you have a home birth, that there be a hospital in the area that you can go to that is a reasonable amount of distance because of the fact that it could be an emergency. We could be transferring you for that reason. And time is of the essence sometimes. And even ACOG, I mean, I'm not a big fan of ACOG in general, but they say, you know, the only way that home births are safe is if you are within reasonable amount of means of at the, the nearest hospital with emergency services. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make home births safe, but what I'm saying is there's a reason for that just for the sake of emergencies and things like that. So if you have an option, decide what hospital you wish to be transferred to. If you have an option 
Find out where local hospitals are in the area or around the area that you are going to give birth. But I think, too, what definitely make sure here is make sure that you're familiar with the hospital standards procedures, their emergency entrances, and if possible, with their local, what their labor and delivery floor and recovery rooms are like. So be intentional about possibly going and touring the hospital or do a dry run because if you don't know where you're going, that's also not going to be good. (laughs) And you're going to like kill me for saying this. But we did that. My fourth, we went to the hospital and we did not know where the emergency room is. We did not even know where to enter in. So don't be like us and we're old and dumb. Okay, don't be old and dumb. (laughs) No, for real though, go ahead and take a tour of the hospital, but also just go online, research what their standard procedures are, call them, ask them, Um, go there. Go and look at, see what's on the floor. Go and look to see what's available. Call and ask them for a tour. These are things that even if you don't end up using their services, at least you're prepared and at least you know what to expect going there and as well as where to go. So decide where is our second one, which leads me to my third point, which is familiarize, okay? This just not means familiarize yourself with the hospital and all those things, but educate and familiar yourself with your midwife's procedures on a transfer, what she will need from you on hand and what will happen before, during, and after the transfer and how you will slash want to be transported. So go over this thing. This is something that my midwife and I this time around and actually before every midwife visit, we've gone over this. And the questions have usually been, you know, if there's an emergency, what hospital do you want to be transferred to? And we usually talk it over. She gives her recommendations. And it's just important that you go over this beforehand. So that way, if it does happen, that you know what to have available to her, that you know what you want and don't want, because there is an option for you just to drive yourself or to have, obviously we want somebody else driving, driving you in your own car to the hospital, or you are going to go by ambulance. And you need to communicate with your birth team as to which one you want to do and for what reasons and in the event you want to use this one over this one. Those are communication and things that need to be done actually at a home visit and possibly at a 39-week visit at the birth center. And this is too an opportunity for your midwife to explain to you, this is how the transfer is going to go. I will call X, Y, and Z, let them know that you're coming. We will take you there. This is what they, whatever they have familiarized. And obviously we want you to go somewhere where transfers are welcomed, meaning they're not looked at, that you're not going to get treatment that is going, because you chose to do the different birth option versus them, that you're not going to be mistreated. If that does happen, then that is another concern. That is something that we need to have a discussion about in the event that that does happen. (laughs) But the problem with transfers and the things that we need to recommend as well as for transfers and hopefully will encourage you is that if in the event that a transfer does happen, the receiving hospital should remain a non-judgmental demeanor towards you and any one accompanying with you. That includes your midwife. So 
Also familiarize yourself with what your birth team will do in the event that you're transferred, meaning what role will your midwife play for how long and at what event will she play that role? Will it be she'll transfer you and then she'll meet you there a couple hours later or will she be there exactly as you are going in? And these, these are all things to go over. So familiarize yourself with those things. Lastly, and one of the things that I definitely want to encourage you the most is don't panic. Don't panic. Dad, don't panic. Mom will do, she'll mirror your behavior. So if you're calm and you're talking calmly and you are trusting the process, that you are almost in a sense, yeah, essentially you want hiding your like emotions at this point because transfers are not fun. They really are not. And they can be scary and they can be a letdown because you're thinking, I just invested all this money and now I have to go and pay more money. I should have just chose this option in the beginning. Or you're probably thinking of those things. And if not, then you're not. But just don't panic. Your hospital transfer does not need to be a traumatic experience. A reason for a transfer is because we need help. And that is a great reason to go get help and use those resources. This is why they are there. This is why they should be used. And there's nothing wrong with that. It also does not mean that you cannot have the birth that you want or have an active participation in your decision making. We just need to continue to trust your body and we need to continue to trust the birth team who is guiding us and assisting us in this transfer and change of environment. And I think one last thing that I want to note here is that I understand that home birth transfers do bring a lot of trauma because it's letting down. We have to grieve the birth that we didn't essentially plan for and then we didn't essentially get, which is something that we should do. We should be allowed to do. At the end of the day, we know that a healthy mom and a healthy baby is not the only thing essentially that matters. We are very thankful for that when that happens. So it's okay for you to grieve a birth that you didn't get. And transfers, we see a lot of people do that. So it can be a traumatic experience, but at the same time, it's something that we can prepare for to kind of almost like lessen the blow because we know that this can happen. We know that even in the hospital, things go wrong and things don't go according to plan or things come up that end up happening that make it very traumatizing. And the trauma, birth trauma is very, it's a totally different beast in itself. And it's something that seek help, seek the things that you need to heal from that experience. And birth transfers can be like that. And so it's not to say that this is not that big of a deal because it is because we're not getting what we essentially had wanted. And there's a lot of grieving in that. And, you know, we're not the peace and comfort and of home and of the things and the safety of how we felt in those situations. We're not having that anymore. So it can be very traumatic for some people. But I want to say though, that as an encouragement, that even if you do get transferred, and even if there is trauma, that it's okay to grieve that. That's my encouragement. I know that I just said this, but I want to really hone in on this because grieving over birth because you didn't get the birth you want is a real 
real thing. It's a real experience and it's something that a lot of moms who do transfer have to work through in their postpartum. It's not to say that we're not grateful for the resources that we did use when we did get transferred. And it's not to say that we aren't thankful that we have life, um, whether it's our own life or our baby's life. It's not to say that we're not thankful for those things. And me sharing this with you is to not to try to gaslight any type of traumatizing experience someone has had. Because believe me, I've had two very, very unique experiences. And I'm just coming off of a real traumatic transfer. So I get that. It's just to prepare you. It's just to prepare you to have a plan, to put in place a plan B if we need to have, we need to use that plan. And to not, when we prepare, sometimes it does help us not um, have so much trauma or not to take it in ways that, you know, if it were to come unexpectedly or something that we never thought would ever happen. There are certain aspects of birth, like from what I experienced, that I never could have possibly have prepared for. But home birth transfers and transfers in general are things that we can prepare for. And like I just said... All those four things can help you prepare for a transfer or a smoother transfer. All right, mom, that is all I have for you today. I am so excited that we are starting this new year. I have a lot of really great things in store for you, and I will see you next time. Hi again. Thank you so much for listening to this great episode. If you had learned something today, please make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts and share with another mom friend. Also, pop on over to our private Facebook group, sign up for our email list, and connect with me on social media, which are all linked in the description of this podcast. I can't wait to see you over there and connect with you. Now go listen to your mom gut, because wisdom will guide you, and chances are it won't let you down. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!